0: hello everyone and welcome back to the podcast thanks for tuning in this episode is going to be quite a dive into what some may consider supernatural and the topic tonight is all about electrogravitics or more colloquially known as anti-gravity
1: yeah very exciting alien technology
0: alien technology and as we'll see also very human technology um
1: i wanted to say that our last episode on youtube did really well so that was really exciting
0: yeah to
1: yeah see new people tuning in to the podcast
0: yeah that was really really cool and really um You know encouraging for us and it's good to see whenever people comment we love it and um yeah if you guys are watching and tuning in if this is being suggested then feel free to subscribe and we have a whole cache of other episodes that aren't quite available on youtube but you can find through the link in the description to our audio source because that's where we started
1: yeah yeah exciting
0: so um yeah basically this whole theory starts um, kind of twisting what we know about physics and gravity on its head and the first thing that we're going to dive into around antigravitics and this is a term that's been coined over the last 100 or so years And it talks about a form of electromagnetic propulsion that can levitate, move, and transport vehicles um, using the principle of anti-gravity. And we kind of first get a look into this through the legend himself, the one and only Nikola Tesla. Oh yeah. And there's many, many reports about what Nikola Tesla was doing, and a lot, as, as many of you know who know Nikola Tesla's history, he was an inventor who lived between 1856 to 1943. He is pretty much known as the inventor of our modern world. He created almost everything we know, electrical grids, TV, television, radio, all, all this stuff can be attributed to him. And... It is through him that he challenges even Einstein's theory of relativity and proposes a different theory to gravity and even tests these theories and proves through his experiments that gravity can be controlled using forms of electromagnetic propulsion. And we will be getting into that as well as some other experiments into anti-gravity and be ending on one of the most famous stories in ufology by Bob Lazar and what he experienced with anti-gravity as well.
1: Yeah, that's what I have like most understanding of is Bob Lazar's experience and that's what makes me connect it to alien technology because yeah. obviously it was like discovered on these alien crafts. So yeah. I'm excited to get into that but also to learn more um, about like other... People's experience with anti gravity. Yeah.
0: And this is very cool because it kind of paints a different picture of the universe as we know it. A lot of what we think about the universe in terms of gravity is that typical um, almost diagram or uh, representation where you have maybe a heavy bowling ball in the fabric of, on some large sheet or fabric and it's creating this bend in the fabric and this is this is kind of Einstein's theory of relativity that um, the gravity bends space-time due to its mass um, and the mass of an object is what creates gravity. Mm-hmm. But Nikola Tesla had a very different idea and we'll start by kind of going over his views on the universe so Nikola Tesla saw the universe as filled with an invisible matter which he called the ether and it was long ago that he recognized that all perceptible matter comes from a primary substance of a tenuity beyond conception and filling all space the Akasha or luminiferous ether which is acted upon by the life-giving prana or creative force calling into existence in never-ending cycles all things and phenomena and this is his words um, written in an article when he was still alive he goes on to say the primary substance thrown into infinitesimal whirls of prodigious velocity, becomes gross matter, the force subsiding, the motion ceases, and matter disappears, reverting to the primary substance. Can man control this grandest, most awe-inspiring of all processes in nature? Can he harness her inexhaustible energies to perform all their functions at his bidding, more still can he so refine his means of control as to put them in operation simply by the force of his will. If he could do this, he would have powers almost unlimited and supernatural at his command. But with a slight effort on his part, old worlds would disappear and new ones of his planning would spring into being. He could fix, solidify, and preserve the ethereal shapes of his imagining the fleeting visions of his dreams, he could express all the creations of his mind on any scale, in forms concrete and imperishable. He could alter the size of the planet, control its seasons, guide it along any path he might choose through the depths of the universe. He could make planets collide and produce his suns and stars, his heat and light. So that was just a very poetic Nikola Tesla, which is. One of the things I like about him is that he's very poetic in his writing, um even in his own autobiography and scientific writings, he tries to express like this poetic way of speaking, which is very contrast to some of the other scientists who have a very you know scholarly logistical um factual approach to things
1: Well it goes along with he's ideas and concepts (laughs) to be like that because they are pretty out there they're you know very different to the status quo when it comes to science yeah and yeah like even listening to that it's just like who who wouldn't um wish that to be true you know to have um almost like harry potter level magical powers yeah, the way he is like sort of describing.
0: Yeah, so he's kind of describing this prime pre, prima prima materia, this etheric substance that is invisible that makes up all things. It is the charge that causes electrons and protons to come together. It is the charge that gives life to living things, and it it returns once things die. So in the entropy of decay, this primal energy returns into the invisible fabric of the universe. And this is what he was trying to harness. And we know through some of his patents and some of his inventions that he was actually able, he was describing like free energy devices. And we go into this in a lot of detail in our free energy Episode, yeah, um, but he was actually harnessing this energy to create electricity and power. And he said that just a small one square meter could power the entire United States for a day of this energy. And it was this, these concepts that led him to his play, his scientific. Um, di- delving into of gravity and 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 electrogravitics. So Nikola Tesla proposed the dynamic theory of gravity and he explains how the gravity is related to the electromagnetic force. This is a model that deals with matter, ether, and energy and how these three things relate to one, one another. It is a unified, unified field theory that unites all the existing fundamental forces and the responses of the particles themselves in a theoretical framework. And when Tesla was 82, instead of speaking at a dinner party, he issued a written statement, and this is the statement. I have worked out a dynamic theory of gravity in all details and hope to give this to the world very soon. It explains the causes of this force and the motions of heavenly bodies under its influence so satisfactorily that it will put an end to idle speculation and false conceptions as that of curved space. Boom. He just dug at Einstein right there. Mm. So Einstein's theory of curved space and relativity, according to the relativists, space has a tendency to curvature owing to an inherent property of presence of celestial bodies. Quote, granting a semblance of reality to this fantastic idea, it is still very self-contradictory. So he's going against Einstein's propositions and his theories of relativity. He goes on to say, every action is accompanied by an equivalent reaction and the effects of the latter are directly opposite to those of the former. So if you think of a magnet, There's a negative field and a positive field. they're inverse to one another, all um, actions have an equivalent reaction. Supposing that the bodies act upon the surrounding space causing curvature of the same, it appears to my simple mind that the curved spaces must react on the bodies and producing the opposite effect, straighten out the curves. Since action, and reaction are coexistent, it follows that the supposed curvature of space is entirely impossible. He's saying that if the planets were acting on the curvature of space, the curvature of space should be having a reaction back. Um, However, even if it existed, it would not explain the motions of the bodies as observed. Only the existence of a field force can account for them, and its assumption dispenses with space curvature. All literature on this subject is futile and destined to oblivion. So he's (laughs) trying to crush this theory. (laughs) and it, this this theory has ultimately been suppressed because as you can say, as you see he was wanting to release it he had a lot of papers and stuff he was, he's was saying i'm about to release this to you he died soon after and all his papers were seized by the government and put into um, into like a warehouse and held, yeah. you know, hidden. So, the and this is not the first time it's happened with Tesla. Tesla also believed in clean and free energy. Mm-hmm. And in his mid, middle age, he had invented a car with an antenna and an electric battery that could drive itself and continue char- continuously charged itself did not need fuel, it did not need gas, it just needed this, it had this antenna that was tapping into this ether energy, which he calls it, and charging the battery constantly. So, you know, it doesn't need a soothsayer to realize how the oil and natural gas companies would obviously stand against such development, and how other You know, government agencies might want to hide this revelation. And we go into that a lot in free energy.
1: Yeah, because like I guess you have the um, Tesla cars, you know, by Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. And they are battery powered and seen as better for the planet. But obviously, they don't self-charge. So the reason that technology has been allowed to come out is because they can make money off of it like have it by selling um, electricity at charging points or even through your home yeah and if you look at a lot of the um, free energy technology that is available to us and it has some kind of tie where like companies or the government are making money off of it like with um solar panels like a lot of the time they've been put up so that they're feeding into the grid of like a company and you're losing money there so anything like what tesla has proposed in the past is of course gonna be yeah like completely squashed and hidden from us because they can't make money off of that and the big giants you know they want to be making a lot of money
0: yeah so the philosophy of our industrial age is if it doesn't have a meter on it then they don't want it and that and it quote was by john d rockefeller yeah back when tesla was proposing all these ideas and it hasn't changed you know this is
1: and even with like the first statement that you um read of his where it's sort of saying how much power like we can have and with our own creative minds and what we can tap into um, and what information is available to us through the ether and all that stuff. It's not surprising it's to be suppressed because they want us to like believe the narrative that they've written for us, which um, is limiting and, you know, we feel powerless. Basically, the more powerless we feel, the more powerful they are.
0: Yeah, definitely. Mm. So
1: in
0: 1897, when Tesla presented his theory of the dynamics of gravity, he said that all bodies emit microwaves whose voltage and frequency are determined by their electrical content and relative motion. More than 100 years ago, Nikola Tesla managed to measure the microwave radiation of our planet and concluded that it is only a couple of centimeters of wavelength. Tesla went on to say that the frequency and voltage of the microwave radiation on Earth were greatly influenced by the speed and mass of our planet. The gravitational interaction with other celestial bodies such as the Sun was determined by the interaction of the microwaves between the celestial bodies. So, we're beginning to imagine all these electrical fields electromagnetic fields between the celestial bodies and that our interaction our gravitational interaction is based on these electromagnetic fields um, and the celestial bodies interacting just how similarly if we if there's you know some sort of attraction to one to a person mm. even a person is emitting a certain electrical, electromagnetic field they're releasing certain electrical um, biochemicals and our we might be attracted our field might be attracted to that field and that that is the form of electromagnetic um, attraction just through our bodies as humans ourselves and Tesla went on to say that the frequency and voltage of the microwave er, radiation sorry the voltage and microwave radiation on earth were greatly influenced by the speed and mass of the planet. Okay, so we we went over that. So, Tesla confirmed this by placing two metal plates at a distance and electrifying them with high voltage, high frequency currents. With sufficient high voltage and frequency, the space between them became a solid state. So what he was doing was electrifying the currents in the air, condensing the ether into a dense matter that made it so that the air became a solid state. He also worked with a single plate of zinc weighing approximately two pounds and it became suspended in the air between these two electrical charges. So he had these great electrical charges in in the air suspended there by these electromagnetic forces was a zinc plate. Mm. And that was one of his first Um, experiments and demonstrations of this electrogravitic technology. He was able to suspend something in the air using purely electromagnetic forces. Although these principles guided his research and his experiments of the future, Tesla did not announce his theory until near the end of his life after being disappointed by the war. The dynamic theory of gravity is not mentioned as it should. And this is because the government of the United States classified the file. So they took it and hid it. Unfortunately, a few details were publicly stated by Tesla about his theory, the issue of how space is curved by gravitational effect, leading some to believe that Tesla did not understand Einstein's theory, um, which was not about curving of space at all, but about a curved spacetime and there is some disagreement about tesla's exact understanding of einstein's theory the truth is though that there was a difference between tesla and einstein while the former wanted the best for humanity the second defended and often worked with the big powers including developing weapons in the war einstein so according to his theory this the concept of ether is similar to what dark matter would be and that's what scientists are talking about now that space cannot just be empty there is this network this web this uh, web of frequency of dark matter that we they call it dark matter because we can't see it um that's running throughout everything and it's not just in space it's running through everything Mm -hmm. and it's
1: kind of like if you think of um like a digital image like a like a video game or a website page or like everything is um even what seems like the blank part or the background part is still like got code running yeah exactly that's how i can kind of see it
0: totally it's like it's It's like, like
1: this space here it still needs code to exist yeah yeah. To make things 3D. Yeah, it?
0: it's kind of like the matrix, you know, how, except yeah. it's not done in numbers, it's done in um, what he's saying is ether. Yeah, unless the we code... are in a simulation, then yeah, it unless is done in numbers. <laughs> 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 yeah. So Tesla said that space was not curved and that all forces were related to each other, both the speed of sound and the speed of light and x rays. So everything is related to one another. And there's some theories out there that are like saying that every particle is part of one eight dimensional shape that, you know, that we think everything's separate, but it's only because we can only perceive in three dimensions that we don't see the larger picture. Mm -hmm. And so something similar here, not quite this eighth dimensional shape theory, but he's saying that every force is related to each other in some way. And he he solved it using deep knowledge of mathematics. And many people even believe that he was Venusian, that he had come from the sphere of Venus, that he was almost, <laughs> um, you know, not quite from this Earth.
1: He could have possibly, like, been channeling the oh, Venusian definitely. being.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so this goes on to continue to, to dis... Um, Einstein's theory of relativity.
1: And I don't think, like, that probably helped him at the time, you
0: know? No, he was a Um, revolutionary, and revolutionaries are never... Like, you know, when you think of the person who invented the telescope, and then um, they said that the planets were curved, and he got, like, strung up and killed.
1: (laughs) Oh, right. Gosh.
0: Yeah.
1: But, like, it's... It is gonna... um, it is gonna like hold him back especially if you're coming out like guns blazing at the uh you know einstein and stuff yeah even though i think it's important that this stuff came out it's amazing that we're even able to get as much information as we have on Mm. a lot of tesla's stuff right because this stuff is really held back and suppressed
0: yeah So according to portions of his theory, mechanical motions are universally a result of electromagnetic forces acting upon and through media, media being space. Unfortunately, his mathematical theories have never officially surfaced. They've remained um, classified within the U.S. government's possession. Tesla demonstrated, though, that all bodies have electrical content and as such are all moving charges as our Earth hurls through space at incredible speed. He demonstrated through the use of his particular evacuated tubes and high-voltage coils powered by specifically designed high-frequency alternators, how Earth emanates microwaves and how it behaves as a charged sphere. Based on these discoveries and their confirmations at Colorado Springs, he developed and tested his first electromagnetic machine, that could fly, and quote, devoid of sustaining wings, propellers, or gas bags. So it wasn't because of the thrust of an airplane, it wasn't because of propellers, and it wasn't like a Zeppelin, you know, with gas in bags. And here is one of his diagrams. Wow, looks a lot
1: like a a spaceship.
0: Of his um, electromagnetic machine. It's incredibly similar to a UFO. Yeah. (laughs) Like, very, very similar. And there are a lot of different components and stuff. And we'll start to kind of get into what he was trying to achieve with this machine. And some people have also tried replicating some of his theories, though they haven't quite gotten to the level of creating something like that that we know of. Mm -hmm. So, Tesla's electromagnetics is composed of potentials and their corresponding motion. And this potential's motion causes the surrounding medium an equivalent and opposite effect. So, basically what is happening is that it's creating this electromagnetic propulsion that is reacting with the etheric or the akashic substrate that is invisible but permeates through all things. And thus creating a field and through fine tuning and um, adjusting, he can manipulate and use the electromagnetic forces to navigate through this ocean, this substrate of ether Mm. or akasha. Um, And here's like a lot of um, things that could relate to this thing, but Tesla never referred to space time directly. Um, So he never really had this concept. concept. Instead, he referred to the concept of the primary substance. He also never used the relativistic twin term. He considered time as a mere man-made measure of the rate at which events occur, such as distance traveled in a certain period time for a frame of reference. So that's kind of a big sentence to unpack, but he was... Basically saying that time is a man-made construct and it's all time is, is the perception of how far we've traveled within a certain frame of reference. Mm. So if you're thinking of like, you know, if you're in motion through space, that is what is creating the perception of time. So, our electrical motion through this, um, through these electromagnetic fields and waves and ether, this movement through space is what is creating our perception of time. And that's why you can have, um, that's why time works differently in different places. Because the motion of these, um, you know, if we're moving at the speed of light, time ceases. Um, time doesn't, is all. Yeah, it doesn't work in relation to the speed of light and all such that. But I am not a scientist, so I yeah. can't quite fully explain or grasp in such um, concrete, you know, words what what that truly means.
1: I do feel like time as well does have it. Sort of plays a role in like the mind control and the control of people mm. as well, because you like hear of sort of. Um, you know people who are less built around the idea of time as in time as in over the years as in history and stuff and like tribes and places like that you know where they're more sort of in the moment
0: Mm. living
1: day to day because i can't remember exactly what tribe it was or place it was maybe we could find it and put it on the screen i'm not sure but um there was like this tribe where the women were still, like, giving birth, like, into their 50s and 60s and not, like, really ageing and having grey hair and Mm. because there wasn't, like, this belief system, like, built in them, you know? Like, so time, in a way, wasn't affecting them the same way. It's affecting Mm. people who sort of are really attached to the idea of time and the limitations of time. Yeah. And
0: stuff. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, time is definitely a crazy concept to think about. Um, so, yeah, Tesla created these uh, gra- anti-gravity flying machine, um, and he had this theory about, you know, this electromagnetic forces, but it was suppressed, and it wasn't until kind of towards the mid 19th century that people began to start picking up his ideas again. And it was a scientist named Michael Faraday, James Clerk Maxwell and Heinrich Hertz. And they formulated a theory that described electromagnetic phenomena. This theory indicated that the electric and magnetic forces resulted from the effect of electric and magnetic fields existing in space between electric charges. These electric charges were produced by the ether which was thought to be able to exert electric forces on ordinary matter. Hertz showed that moving electromagnetic fields could break away from ordinary matter and propagate through the ether as independent electromagnetic waves carrying energy. These electromagnetic waves come in both visible and invisible forms. Hertz showed that visible light is one visible form of the electromagnetic wave. Invisible electromagnetic waves, including radio waves, x-rays, and microwaves. The concept of such waves moving through the ether can be likened to the waves that spread over a pond after a stone is thrown into the water. The ripples in the pond can be thought of as the equivalent of electromagnetic waves, and the still water is the equivalent of the ether. It's the untapped potential, the still waters, and harnessing that is to create the ripples in the the fabric. In a pond, the force of the stone hitting the water results in the ripples. One of the things puzzling the scientists of Einstein's time was that exact, is what exactly caused the formation of electromagnetic fields whose independent movement resulted in the electromagnetic waves which they conceived of as moving through space. So they weren't sure what produced electromagnetic fields, they just knew that they were there. The ether was thought to be a backdrop at a state of absolute rest against which the movements of elements of the cosmos occurred. In his articles in 1905, Einstein did not fully reject the existence of ether. He only suggested a mathematical treatment of some relativistic problems. In 1920, after he developed the general relativity, he arrived at the conclusion that the ether should exist. This fact is of an enormous importance when citing the contributions of Albert Einstein. The Einstein Statement from 1920 is missing in the Scholar Physics textbook, where only his articles from 1905 are mentioned. Interesting. As we know, with Einstein, towards the end of his life, he began to become a lot more like... um, I don't know, he began to believe in this etheric field. He began to believe, you know, as quantum physics started to come and he saw that quantum entanglement happen and he saw that, you know, he called it spooky action at a distance and he began to say that, you know, love is at the heart of everything. You know, he began to see that if you, and I think it was him that said, if you stare at the universe long enough, eventually the universe will stare back at you. And so the, this was towards the end of his life, and he was really coming into this. But those papers stopped being published. And yeah, no they surprise. weren't shown. So taking that all into account, let's dive into Nikola Tesla's flying saucer and his um, electromagnetic field lift experiments. So... From 1891 to 1893, he gave a set of lectures and demonstrations to groups of electrical engineers. As part of each show, Tesla stood in the middle of the stage using his six foot six height with an assistant on either side, each seven feet away. All three men wore thick cork or rubber shoe soles to avoid being electrically grounded, and each assistant held a wire which was part of a high voltage, low current circuit. When Tesla raised his arm to each side, violet-colored electricity jumped harmlessly across the gaps between the men. At high voltage and frequency in this arrangement, electricity flows over a surface, even the skin, rather than into it. And this is a basic circuit which could be used by an aircraft or spacecraft. His flying saucer, the hull was made double of thin machinable slightly flexible ceramic this becomes a good electrical insulator and this is interesting because when bob lazar was talking about his spacecraft he said it was a mix between a metal and a ceramic Mm. um it has no fire danger resists any damaging effects of severe heat and cold and has the hardness of armor besides being easy for magnetic fields to pass through the inner hull is covered on its outside by wedge-shaped thin metal sheets of copper or aluminum bonded to the ceramic. Each sheet is 3 to 4 feet wide at the horizontal rim of the hull and tapers to a few inches wide at the top of the hull. Each sheet is separated on either side from the next sheet by 1 or 2 inches and covered uncovered by the ceramic hull. So it kind of goes into the description of these, but there's Um, some very cool things that they start to talk about. So in space, the outer hull with a slight negative charge would absorb hits from micrometeorites and cosmic rays. Any danger of this type that doesn't already have a negative electric charge would get a negative charge in hitting the outer hull and be repelled by the metallic sheets before it could hit the inner hull. So it's got some sort of electromagnetic force field. You know, it's repelling other objects. When we talk about those UFOs, it says that you know they have when Bob Lazar goes and he he talks about that that in that machine that he was shown. when he turned it on, he tried to touch it, and he couldn't. It was like it was repelled by a force of gravity. Mm. So yeah, um there was, I just wanted to. Scroll through this because it gets into a lot of detail about like the exact building of it and
1: what happened. That's what we all want to know, right?
0: Yeah. So in bright it make it fly. In yeah. So in bright sunlight, the aircrafts, a spacecraft, may seem surrounded by hot air. A slight magnetic magnetic distortion of the light, perhaps sometimes making it not visible from certain angles. In semi-darkness and night, the metal sheets glow, even through the thin ceramic outer hole with different colors. And one of the things that's quite often reported about UFOs is these glowing colors that are flashing. Could it be the electromagnetic frequencies reacting with the metal sheets producing this glow? The visible light is a byproduct of the electricity flowing over the metal sheets, according to the frequencies used. So descending, landing, or just starting to lift from the ground, the transformer primaries are near the secondary weak ends, and therefore the bottom sets of sheets glow a misty red. Red may also appear at the front of the machine when it is moving forward fast, lessening resistance up front, and orange appears for slow speed. Orange, yellow are for airplane type speeds. Green and blue are for higher speeds with a capacitor addition making it oversized for the circuit. The blue becomes bright white like a searchlight with possible risks of damaging the metal sheets involved. So, when we're thinking about this, the slower it goes, it becomes red, which is very interesting because when we're talking about frequencies of light, red is the lowest frequency of light. And the higher you get up, you go to blue, purple, and then this bright white. So the faster it's going, it's 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 producing electrical colors of blue and purple. So yeah, it's and very it interesting. Also,
1: like if you think those colors, you have like the red um, on the traffic lights is stop, and like the green is go, and green and blue is faster. And then also like with the chakras. You have the yeah. red, which is the root, which is, which like is the, lowest. the most like matter, the most like physical. Yeah. And then like the, the other colors, are, they, it's almost like it's lighter, right? Lighter energy and you'd have to make the craft lighter to move faster, right? Yeah. Less dense. Yeah, so.
0: exactly. Yeah, because what's really happening here is that they're manipulating the electromagnetic fields to produce w- less weight, less mass, you know? Um, they're creating their own gravitational fields. Um, when Tesla was developing arc lights to run on alternating current, there was a bothersome high pitched whine, whistle, or buzz due to the electrodes rapidly heating and cooling. Tesla put this noise in the ultrasonic range with the special transformer already mentioned. The aircraft spacecraft gives off such noises when working at low frequencies, so it gives off this. Mm, like humming, buzzing, whining mm. sound when it's lower frequencies, so moving slower. And then it, when it probably gets to higher speeds, the frequencies either can't be heard or um, not sure why they aren't um, hearing, hearable. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a time delay in the capacitors. The capacitors recharge themselves and. Uh, half of the metal sheets are energized and the other half are recharging, alternating all around the hull of the craft. This balances the machine, giving it very good stability. This balances less when fewer of the circuits are in use. As air molecules get into the strong magnetic fields that the machine is transmitting out, the air molecules become polarized and, f- and from lines or strings of air molecules. The normal movement of the air is stopped. So there's no more air resistance. And there is suddenly a lot more room for air molecules in this area, so more air pours in. This expansion and the lack of normal air motion makes the area intensely cold around the craft. Interesting. This is also the reason that the aircrafts, a spacecraft can fly at supersonic speeds without making sonic booms, without cracking the sound barrier. What do you think about that so far? It sounds very similar to like what we've heard uh, heard Bob about UFOs well. and stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. I can't remember if he said that the ship he worked on was like silent. I'm pretty sure he said it was silent. He said
0: when it was starting up and landing, there was some a noise. St- but yeah. then,
1: but the other thing that was interesting in certain that in this Tesla craft, which was similar to that, was how. They said it came like unseeable and invisible in certain angles. Yeah. And we know that the ship that Bob Lazar worked on was like invisible from underneath, right? Yeah. So when you were under it it was like it wasn't there. Which is just yeah. crazy. That that part really throws me off, like. Yeah.
0: Coming kind of to the end, there was a lot of information in that, and I, I was trying my best to summarize. Yeah, you did really and well. jump between them. But Tesla, towards the end of the life, went broke in the early 1900s, um, building a combination radio and electrical power broadcasting station. The theory and experiments were correct, but the financiers didn't want this... To come out, they didn't want this free energy. They didn't want this meterless technology. Yeah, they was
1: misled, wasn't they? They thought it was something that would benefit them, and then when they realized, yeah, like, it wouldn't, then they pulled out.
0: Yeah. So.
1: We did cover that in our free energy episode. If you're interested.
0: Yeah. And. It, this article goes on to say that most ufos that are reported are actually tesla's flying saucers so the daily mail reported about flying saucer projects in nazi germany and hitler's plans to use these wonder weapons to attack england and usa the article talks only about jet propulsion saucers but the germans were also building real anti-gravitic saucers based on inventions of nikola tesla Following the wave of UFO sightings in early 1950s, Professor Giuseppe Belluzzo, a scientist, engineer, and a former Italian cabinet minister, who apparently personally worked in one of these German-Italian flying saucer projects in the 1940s, was quoted in Italian and American newspapers saying, there is nothing supernatural or Martian about flying disks, but there is simply rational application of recent technique. Some great power is now launching disks to study them. And this was from a scientist engineer from the the Italian cabinet minister. Um, Nikola Tesla even said, you should not be at all surprised if someday you see me fly from New York to Colorado Springs in a contrivance which will resemble a gas stove and weigh as much and could, if necessarily, enter and depart through a window. Nikola Tesla wrote to a Westinghouse electric company manager in 1912. And in some books about Tesla and his invention, the description of his box-like flying machine is told to be, um, about his helicopter-like flyover, but actually Tesla's flying stove used an electro propulsion system which was to be powered by external power stations and Tesla's wireless transmission of energy system or with a power generator inside the craft. In a 1911 article from The Sun, Tesla described his flying machine. Dr. Nikola Tesla leaned back against his chair at the Waldorf last night and talked calmly of airships without planes, propellers, or any of the other gear of the now familiar aeroplanes hurtling through space at tremendous speeds or driving more slowly carrying great loads and in either case always as safely as the most prosaic of wheeled vehicles how about aerial navigation dr tesla was asked he considered for a moment or two and then replied with great deliberation the application of this principle will give the world a flying machine unlike anything that has ever been suggested before you'll have no planes no screws propellers or devices of any kind hitherto used. It will be small and compact, excessively swift, and above all, perfectly safe in the greatest storm. It can be built of any size, can carry any weight that may be desired. Interesting that it's compact and small in these you know UFOs that we hear are always very small almost like they were made for children or something
1: yeah and the no screws
0: and stuff and the no screws yeah because
1: I remember that with the Bob Lazar um, it was like it was all made of there was no like joins in yeah. the craft no screws, no screws seamless no screws no joins um, and a, like a really unique kind of material was it like that same material that like you could scrunch up and then was that something else I know
0: it was like element 115 that he was doing we'll get into that a bit later. yeah but like
1: yeah that's how has Tesla done this like you know like how has he built something without any screws and seams or propellers like I get um I can just about like get my head around like the concept and how they've actually created this like no gravity device but it's like how do you actually build it like in any size without screws like
0: yeah (laughs) i don't know yeah just he was just a genius and who knows what you
1: just want to know like it, it would be so um beneficial for everybody right
0: it would So another cool thing that relates a lot to UFO um, is that he tells us that his flying machine is not affected by winds or holes in the air and that it can be held absolutely stationary in the air, even in a wind for a great length of time, for a great length of time. So it's unaffected by the weather around it, it can go through storms, and even if there's great winds blowing against it, it can remain perfectly still. Mm,
1: it's amazing.
0: According to William Lyon, the author of the books, Pentagon Aliens and Occult Ether Physics, Tesla's Hidden Space Propulsion System and the Conspiracy to Conceal It, Werner von Braun was in Los Alamos, New Mexico, around 1937, testing Tesla's saucer technology which then developed into a wonder weapon program of Nazi Germany. After World War II, the secret Tesla saucer program traveled back to the US along with von Braun, who started also working on the US rocket and space programs. A proof of German electropropulsion flying saucer comes from FBI reports. In 1957, a Polish immigrant offered his help to the FBI to explain the car engine stalling UFO sightings of the f- 1950s and shared his experience as a World War II POW working at a prison camp at Gut Altgolsen near Berlin. In the report, he tells that while going to work to a nearby area in 1944, they started to hear a high-pitched noise similar to a large electric generator and their tractor engine stalled, which they couldn't get starting again. They didn't see any machinery nearby, but when the noise stopped, they could get their tractor starting again. A few hours later working in the same area, he saw a vehicle slowly rising vertically from behind a tarpaulin type wall around 50 feet high, surrounding a circular area of 100 to 150 yards in diameter. And this is the quote that he says, this vehicle circular in shape um, 75 to 100 yards in diameter and about 14 feet high, consisting of dark gray stationary top and bottom the approximate three-foot middle section appeared to be a rapid move, rapidly moving, producing a continuous blur similar to an airplane propeller, but extending the circumference of the vehicle. The noise emanating from the vehicle was similar to the noise previously heard. The engine of the tractor again stalled. The noise stopped after which the engine started normally. Uninsulated metal, possibly copper cables, one and one and a half to two inches in diameter on and under the surface of the ground were observed. So he's saying that there was this like rapidly moving um, field around the craft that was diffusing the air, and he said it was most similar to what he imagined looked, was like a helicopter thing, but it was happening all around the craft. Mm. And there's a photograph of this FBI report, which can be found in a book called Hitler's Flying Saucers by Henry Stevens. And the Chinese also have Tesla's anti-gravity propulsion technology. Because the global war industrial complex wants Tesla's inventions to remain secret, they've produced propaganda for decades to make people believe the flying saucers are of an extraterrestrial origin, but they're not. It also seems that the most of the superpowers of our planet are aware of the technology. There was an article in China Daily a while ago about the Hangzhou UFO, which made an airport um, to an airport close down for a while. And the source of the matter to China Daily said that the UFO was related to the Chinese military. And this was reported also on ABC News. And one more reason for the banker industrial cabal to keep Tesla's flying machine hidden away from the public is that it apparently used over unity technology to power itself and that in other words is the free energy power system and they would not be able to make much money this way and tesla talked quite often about extracting energy from the ether dynamic light bearing ether but because most of tesla's notes and papers were confiscated by u.s authorities after his death in 1943 these over unity generators are mostly treated as myth or as bogus science so.
1: Yeah, well, the the frustrating thing is, as much as um, like I don't agree with like holding back stuff so that we have to pay, um, you know, for gas or electric and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't have f- stuff that runs on free energy. But it's like we know now there is ways around it. It's like when we did the um, medicine episode the pharmaceutical mm. episode but if you think like now um they're kind of opening up um the use of things like marijuana in certain countries where they know they can't like make money on that but like they can't deny that it has benefits for certain people mm. now Not for so, the economy. yeah but like it it's healing people you know like or like helping people with pain and things like yeah. that stuff that is, is outdoing outdoing other medications that they can make a lot of money on because yeah. they can pattern it but you can't pattern uh, a plant right but now they've m- made ways around that by you know taxing it and they can make money, like by taxing it. As much as I don't want to support that stuff, it's just like okay. Well, if you have one of these vehicles, then you have to pay like a certain tax to mm. for airspace. Or they could they could make something but up. How much right? tax
0: would you have to do to make up for all everything? You know, one, all you're, gas, you're paying for the, electricity. They
1: already have a monopoly oil, on who's making these things, right? And so you have to buy the product which you know would be really expensive in the first place and then on top of it like to like even to be able to fly a plane right you have to have some kind of license so you know what they're like like they can get control over everything that they want you know so i just feel like there is a way that we could have these out even under like their brutal like suppressive control like i we're seeing with things, as example marijuana, like that we can push for this stuff, you know, to fit into the system as much as they don't want it to. Yeah. But I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's going to bring down companies like gas. But those companies, like, if you really.
0: They rule the world.
1: Yeah, but if you think of it in a big scale, the amount of people that know that stuff is not good for the planet now, it's not sustainable. you know it's not good for our future uh, especially for like the children of the future you know we know that so that's why companies like tesla and cars you know are coming in
0: but he's not doing it for the good of the planet
1: no he's not but i mean he is selling it with that uh, philosophy with that idea, right? People mm-hmm. are buying into it because they're like, "Oh, like this is way better." Like, look, you know, but I'm what doing produces, better than what
0: produces electricity. That he's charging his vehicle. Yeah, with. it.
1: I, <laughs> and also those batteries are created with a, a very rare mineral or something or lithium. Yeah, which right. Which is really harmful. Yeah, re- really bad. Like I, of course, it's bad. All I'm just saying is, like, it's frustrating that this technology is so suppressed because I think, um, you know, they could fit it into this. Yeah,
0: they could. It would completely destroy the things that are the people and but companies that are ruling our world. things have
1: to go. Like, in yeah, hundreds mo- the majority and of the years, that stuff will be gone. Whether in, they yeah. like it or not, because the collective has got too much awareness over it. Um, yeah, but
0: these people are just holding on until the end of their life. You know? Yeah, and they they are. Just, they're. It's just, it's just a power thing, and they don't want to disrupt that and but also those
1: resources like have an endpoint.
0: yeah they you do know, you it, can it, own a, t- an
1: oil plant but one day you're going to use up all that yeah, oil
0: yeah i know we all know this but it's like they're the ones who are choosing greed over you know over any of all of this and people might adapt the people at the top might adapt as time goes on but it's always going to be to try and you know create some sort of money it's going to take like a big revolution in the human consciousness to actually shift to a non-profit non-greed operation way of controlling society.
1: Yeah, and that's why it's so important to bring awareness to these topics because it is like when this information is in the vast majority of the collective then the collective consciousness will be making a shift in these things. It's, that stuff is going out. We know already there's too much awareness of it in the collective consciousness. I just, oh, you know, I know it's silly, but I just can't help but get so frustrated that...
0: Yeah. Because well, I know you could
1: make money off of yeah, this Yeah, because
0: now we're on, like, a crunch, like, oh, we might go extinct. Yeah. But, like, hundreds of hundred years ago, Tessa was like, boom here's free energy you don't have to use up all these resources it's right here yeah and that we chose to go the other way
1: and it feels like this um like our civilization is gonna probably have a fall like sooner than most I feel like you know with some of the stuff we spoke about it's like other ancient civilizations seem to have um possibly have a lot of this technology already yeah. You know, and we're using it. Yeah. So it's like will we fall before we even get to that point?
0: Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe we need to fall in order to rise up again. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully we can just transition into it smoothly, but His <laughs> <laughs> so, Moving on from Tesla and his saucer experiments, there were eventually, um, in the mid nineteen fifties. An American inventor called Townsend Brown and invented a new form of air propulsion and I'm just gonna go over this quite briefly but he created these flying discs they're quite small he never put it into a that we know of that was not classified into a bigger project but he was managed to create to make these discs hover using electromagnetic propulsion and He gave this presentation and this demonstration to the Navy at Pearl Harbor. And it was then, they liked it so much that they ended up classifying the project. But we have some recordings of these tests. And here you can see some pictures of the flying discs, Mm. these discs that he was using. Um, So Brown is holding a flying disc, which is tested in the Project Montgolfer. And on the right is a close-up of a disc showing outboard leading edge wire over here. And here is some of his experiments. He basically, he was actually suspending them from a wire, but they were moving through electromagnetic propulsion. So they weren't using, um, and I have so they weren't like spinning because of some thrust from rockets or propellers or anything. They're just these discs, but they're being—they're using electromagnetic propulsion to spin around.
1: Yeah, but they're not actually holding themselves up, so it's not like anti-gravity.
0: No, but it is using the electromagnetic propulsion um, based on Tesla's theories, and. Here I have a video of one of the things that they actually managed to levitate upwards. And this is just a little clip of this small thing that they managed to levitate using electromagnetic propulsion and suspend in the air for a small amount of time. It is obviously nothing close to what <laughs> we imagine UFOs to be. It looks like yeah. a
1: little <laughs> school science school project. Of science project
0: yeah. But... Um, um. Yeah, this this video is quite long and it's they celebrate towards the end. It's an old, old video um, that has no sound, but they they obviously discovered something because they they all celebrate and they even test this theory within a vacuum and can still, you know, use electromagnetic propulsion to move in a vacuum. I'm not sure what they're doing here, but <laughs> they're doing all sorts of experiments and I'll have the video up for you guys. but. There was someone recently who created these things called electrostatic wings. So he was replicating this person's theory and here we have like what we can see that he's using, he's suspending them. So this is basically a, rep- a reproduction of that guy's uh, experiment and these objects are moving in space due to electromagnetic propulsion and ultimately this technology was what led to a like bomber that the u.s government uses Um, i I think it was called the t something bomber Um, but yeah the government now uses a form of electromagnetic propulsion using a more of a winged type craft yeah so this is almost like a baby version of what tesla was talking about yeah but still using the theories that he was going on so yeah moving on from there yeah the b2 bomber so this is what his flying disc technology ended up being used for for war so, coming to the end of that, we cannot mention antigravity without bringing up the incredible case of Bob Lazar, which is what we've been kind of hinting to throughout this episode. So Bob Lazar was born on January 26th in 1959, and he has made some astonishing claims over the years and even taken polygraph tests to confirm his claims he was hired by the u.s government in the late 1980s to reverse engineer a craft which he was told was alien technology and this was done at the site known as s4 which is a subsidiary of area 51 located in the nevada desert and he has gone on with a lot of detail claiming that he found one of the most substantial claims which was element 115 and at the time, it had not even been synthesized or found. It had, I think, through the Hadron Collider, they found element one fifteen in an unstable form, which means that it could not um, hold itself. It would, you know, destabilize after a couple moments. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, element one fifteen was he in this? He said there was a stable form of element one fifteen, which humans hadn't been able to synthesize yet. He said that in his time working on secret pod projects regarding UFO technology, he had personally seen briefing documents that described alien involvement in human affairs spanning back almost 10,000 years, which kind of goes into all those ancient alien theories. He said that, um, Bob Lazar spoke about how the S4 facility was opposite to Papoose Lake, which is located just to the south of the main Area 51 facility at Groom Lake. He professed that the site consisted of a concealed aircraft carriers that were buried into the mountainside. Lazar spoke about his role within the facility reverse engineering one of nine flying saucers that were being kept there. He claimed that they were all of extraterrestrial origin. He famously described one of the ailing crafts as the sport model and spoke about how this craft was made out of a metallic metallic substance, similar in appearance and touch to stainless steel. And Bob Lazard appeared using his own name and without face cover in an interview. And his interview for the employment of Area 51 was through a contractor, EG&G, and his employer was the United States Navy. And. It was in his interviews that Bob Lazar began to speak about the propulsion of the craft that he claimed to have worked on. And this is when we begin to go into the anti-gravity and how it links to that. And on one of his first days at the facility, I think you know the story pretty well too, he was taken in and given a partner, a buddy system, and he was taken into this room where he and this person were meant to be working on this project together and in the center of the room was this device and when the device was turned on Bob Lazar was probed to try and touch the device but around you know like a couple feet before the device he felt a barrier a resistance and no matter what he could do he couldn't touch the object it was like there was an invisible force around yeah. it. they threw objects at the device and they went bouncing on the you know bounced right off it and it was here that um, Bob Lazar was realized that it was producing an electromagnetic field that was creating a gravitational force and that gravitational force was not allowing him to touch it. So we can go into uh, a lot more detail and, Bob Lazar even said that there were a couple more craft that he saw and he even saw it take flight and he said things very similar to Tesla that the air shimmered around it at certain angles you couldn't even see it.
1: Yeah, when you walk underneath it you couldn't, and you'd look up, you couldn't see it anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He said that it created its own space-time bubble, or hole, and if we're thinking that space, time, gravity are all in relation to electromagneticism like Tesla was talking about, that perhaps that it was creating this electromagnetic force that was generating its own gravitational speed and even bending the light around it. And this is what allowed it to go at really fast speeds and to maneuver you know, with at right angles and do all this sort of Things. And I think he, he, the way he was describing it was even a step above what Tesla was oh, talking yeah. about.
1: Like, it's, it's obviously um, come from, I don't know, another planet or something other created by other beings. It was not created. What Bob Lazar worked on was clearly not created by yeah. humans. And that's why the government have got hold of these crafts, many varieties of these crafts, apparently, and is having people trying to figure out like how the hell do these work. Like there's materials on there that you can't find on earth as far as we know. Yeah. Um and yeah, like the the secrecy around it, like with the body system thing, it's like they were only allowed to work on it like a couple of hours a day and it would be they'd be called in at all random times and um you weren't allowed to talk to anyone else who was like um trying to figure out the the same ship like yeah different components like, are. yeah you were only allowed to um report back to you know the advisor that you've been um
0: assigned to yeah right
1: and how limiting that actually is, is all just to keep this so hush hush. But yeah. you know, if you can't like bounce off each other and all with the other people working on the same project yeah, and um, like, no wonder it's taken forever to figure this stuff out, but it just shows that like this stuff has come from um, somewhere unearthly and the technology is even more advanced than, our, than what we spoke about with yeah. Tesla.
0: Yeah, and we'll put some clip of Bob Lazar speaking yeah. on the top because it's very interesting to hear him yeah. speak about it. Totally impossible. Uh, the propulsion system is an, uh, a gravity propulsion system. The power source is an antimatter reactor. Uh, this technology does not exist at all. I had access and was permitted to view and look at the operation of this main level, with the gravity amplifiers and the level below the craft that I worked on that when it's, when it 's going to travel a long distance, that is how it operates. It flies along and it, it puts its belly to the target and then brings all the amplifiers to power and you know it shoots off in that direction it doesn 't fly as it would in the science fiction movies. It flies with the belly the bottom forward but we'll, let 's get into kind of what he was. Um, theorizing was happening with these spacecraft. So he's talking about these um, anti-gravity machines within the craft. And he says, assuming they're in space, they will focus the three gravity generators on the point they want to go. Now to give an analogy, if you take a thin rubber sheet, lay it on a table and put thumbtacks in each corner, then take a big stone and set it on one end of the rubber sheet. And say that that's your spacecraft. You pick out a point that you want to go, which could be anywhere on the rubber sheet. Pinch that point with your fingers and pull it all the way up to the craft. That's how it focuses and pulls to that point. So it's pulling using electromagnetic frequencies along the fabric of space-time.
1: It's crazy.
0: When you then shut off the gravity generators, the stone or spacecraft follows that stretched rubber back to its point. There's no linear travel through space. It actually bends space and time and follows follows space as it retracts. In the first mode of travel around the surface of a planet, they essentially balance on the gravitational fields that the gravity generators put out and they can ride a wave like a cork does in the ocean. In that mode, they're very unstable and are affected by the weather. In the other mode of travel where they can travel vast distances, they can't really do that in a strong gravitational field like Earth because to do that, first of all, they need to tilt on their side, usually not out in space. Then they can focus on the point they need to with the gravity generators and move on. If you can picture space as a fabric and the speed of light is your limit, it'll take you so long, even at the speed of light, to get from point A to point B. You can't exceed it, not in this universe anyway. Um, so there has to be a way to bypass speed and light. And they were doing this by using this anti-gravitational technology. So recent research into Bose-Einstein condensate has found that by slowing down a body of atoms to within a fraction of a degree Kelvin, they coalesce into a superatom. And when suitably excited by an oscillating field, the Bose-Einstein condensate superatom propagates matter waves. Now, it's only at an early stage of development here on Earth, but it is hoped that one day this technology will produce a tightly focused matter wave beam. That is interesting here because if you look at the diagram above, which I will put Um, of the gravity generators of Lazar, its elements look exactly like the rings of optical lasers and magnetic traps used in BEC technology to slow down the atoms, and that these generators emit a beam, one of which is enough for the craft to ride upon. It could mean that the ETs use a system closely related to the propagation of such matter waves. But that is only a theory. So, inside the gravitational reactor, element 115 is bombarded with a proton which plugs into the nucleus of the 115 atom and becomes element 116, which immediately decays and releases or radiates a small amount of antimatter. The antimatter is released into a tunnel tube which keeps it from reacting with the matter that surrounds it. It is then directed towards a gaseous matter target at the end of the tube. The matter and antimatter collide and annihilate, totally converting to energy. The heat from this reaction is converted into electrical energy and near 100% efficient thermonuclear generator. And that's what Bob Lazar was saying. He's saying that the generator didn't give off any heat. Mm. And that's what they're saying here in a 100% efficient thermoelectric generator, meaning there's no loss of heat or energy. The energy is completely self-contained and it doesn't produce excess heat. But but Bob Lazar was so... um, puzzled by is that everything gives off even a small amount of heat yeah. there's nothing that we have that is 100 percent efficient and this was and yeah it didn't didn't lose anything so here are some kind of diagrams of the spacecraft and he goes a lot into the propulsion systems he says the craft does not create an anti-gravity field as some have surmised. It's a gravitational field that's out of phase with the current one. It's the same gravitational wave. The phases vary from 180 degrees to zero in a longitudinal propagation. So he's saying it's like it's phasing from our own gravitational field. So it's it's like it's almost going in a different dimension to where... What we are in, so it's like phasing into another field,
1: yeah, because it's creating its own gravitational field, so it's it's not affected by ours, yeah, and we're not affected by its, and yeah, unless it chose to like wanted us to be, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, he goes on to kind of describe the weird thing, sorry, Mm. that
1: about the craft um, Bob I was working on is that there's no controls yeah you know that just it, it's just crazy yeah it, like there's no buttons no controls like yeah
0: well and it kind of goes back to what Tesla was saying that you know if we learn how to harness this ether that maybe we could do it just by force of will yeah, and that's and, what
1: they think they yeah they move think these that, ships like with the conscious mind with
0: the consciousness yeah and many theories about certain craft is that they're almost extensions of the pilot's mind, though I'm not sure how. But remember, because he wasn't classified to the information, but Bob Lazar watched one of the craft taking flight. So how was it that the pilot took flight? You know. How did he control it if there's no modules or controls?
1: Because they've obviously figured out something, but he wouldn't know, would he? Because mm-hmm. you're not allowed to talk to each other.
0: Craft mm-hmm. generates these gravity waves that beam through the shell casing. And if the shell was constructed not of plain metal, but of an artificial metal, and the electromagnetic waves being used were of small enough wavelength, radio waves or microwave length, being particularly suitable, then just as Lazar has implied the hull of the craft could be used as a lens for focusing the electromagnetic waves. Because with radio waves of very short wavelength, it has long been established that they behave somewhat like light waves, and that they have what is termed optical properties. These waves can be bent or flattened by a suitable constructed lens, such as a lens for a radio microwave, so it could be that the shape of the craft is designed in such a way to be used as a lens to focus the electromagnetic waves. And here's a diagram kind of doing that and here it's showing how there's this part of the machine that can direct the focal the waves and pass through the hull focusing them in different ways. and. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to this, but I think we're running out of time and come to the, come to the end of the episode. And as I was doing my research, I found even more stuff. There's a lot of stuff on this and some of it goes right over my head because, you know, I'm not in this field and I haven't, you know, I don't have a good grasp on physics, um, But there is a company called the Starburst Foundation, which claims to be actively working on electrogravitics and field propulsion technology today, as well as subquantum kinetics. And I don't even know what subquantum kinetics means. But (laughs) if you (laughs) want to go check them out, you can look at the Starburst Foundation.
1: Yeah, that's really good that there's people out there still trying to work me. Well done. I feel like you did a great job. You say you can't fully grasp it all, but... Obviously, we're not scientists, but I definitely yeah. think you did a great job at bringing light to this subject and um, putting it in layman's terms and more people can understand and get a glimpse at this information. Yeah.
0: yeah, there's a lot there, but hopefully we covered the main points and kind of decided, you know, found a way to uh, think of gravity in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, and that we possibly have had the technology of anti-gravity for almost over 100 years, maybe a lot longer, maybe like you said, back to the ancient days.
1: Yeah, I, I really feel so. I don't have any proof, but <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think so. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Cool. Great. Any, any uh, closing thoughts?
1: No, right. I just love um, this idea. I love um, like the story or the information brought out by Bob Lazar and um, we've watched like all the possible sort of interviews you can watch of him there's a great one on Joe Rogan yeah um
0: although he's got a headache yeah he got a migraine <laughs> well
1: <laughs> I guess we could link them in the description and the interviews or just no, like look, just look them up. up just look them up um but yeah I highly recommend that because I feel like he has such a cool story and we didn't even go into everything that happened in his story um so yeah. it's definitely worth don't feel like you've heard it all there's so much more yeah and i feel like he's a very legit person so. yeah
0: you could do a whole podcast episode on just bob lazar so yeah. we really just skimmed through the yeah, there's
1: so much more it's very interesting and i just loved hearing um everything today like uh, the tesla stuff and how exciting um the invention of this technology is so yeah. hopefully it's good to see that there's another company the Star Burst. Bar- starburst foundation and you know who knows like this stuff could be in our future our kids could be flying around in the future on something
0: cool yeah that'd you know? be amazing yeah and i mean one thing is just like from just a bit of psychedelics and stuff my mind automatically links to tesla's theory um it just based on what i've seen that in those states of consciousness it's very similar to what tesla's talking about you know this etheric substrate that intermingles and connects all things binds things like the tissues or fashion our body connects everything together and that you know that there's electrical charges in the air and there's energy in the air even in deep states of meditation you can begin to feel that and see that and access it yeah and even the yogis base their whole system on this that there is an ether and that their the body can be used as a generator to access that energy and so you know going a step past tesla and instead of creating an external device using your your body because we are mostly
1: made of ether right yeah because you know we're not actually nothing nothing is actually what is it they said like 90
0: 97 percent Not only three percent of the universe is matter
1: yeah like everything is just like vibrating energy yeah absolutely like everything is just like more dense forms of it when it becomes physical yeah but then surely that's the way it makes sense with like what you've seen on your trips and with what Tessa's saying like how you can start to uh, morph that and create with that you know yeah just literally moving energy
0: around right manipulating it yeah definitely all right guys thank you so much for sticking with that and sticking with me puzzling through some of those theories and uh some of those explanations and yeah thank you so much for tuning in if you stuck to the end then uh hopefully you feel motivated to subscribe yeah please
1: subscribe and like and comment it really helps us keeps us motivated to we love doing this but it does help keep us motivated to keep going bring in these like you know unique or less heard of Ideas to the forefront, and yeah, like if you are listening to us, be aware that we also are on YouTube now, so you can go on YouTube, check out all the visuals and the images of the stuff that we're talking about. Um, if you want to check that out, and also yeah, leave a review if you are listening to that. Really helps. A five-star review.
0: If you're on YouTube, then like we said in the beginning, we have a whole cache of old episodes for you to sink your teeth into perfect thing to do while you're out and about doing busy things that y- yeah you know, gardening you just,
1: cleaning cooking yeah, driving
0: <laughs> all right
1: okay thanks for watching listening guys and we will see you for another fascinating topic next week Woo-hoo.
0: bye guys bye.